I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. In case I start hearing myself come through. Good call. And we are live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 18 of Sales Team Rescue. I am your host, Jeremy DeMerchant, and today we have another amazing special guest. So our <laughs> guest today, Jessica Magooch, is a sales leader, trainer, and closing coach. She's sharing what she learned recruiting, training, and leading a commission-only B2B sales startup, sorry, startup sales team from zero to $100 million so that you can scale your from startup to conversion machine and run your sales team on autopilot. She takes a mind, body, soul approach to selling that addresses the emotional and logical reasons why people buy with proven results. Jessica teaches regularly at the Wharton School of Business's Startup Accelerators and is an active impact investor and was recently named one of the top 50 women of 2019. And because that's not enough, is a gold medalist. There was a gold medalist in the 2018 America's Cup International Karate Championship. Jessica, welcome. Hey, Jeremy. So, all right. So this will be the show off show. No, I'm just kidding. That's amazing. That, that's amazing. And actually, um, that was like the long bio. I should <laughs> it, it did say short. No, I'm just kidding. No, that was, no, that was good. Uh, you know, and it's, it's interesting. I love when people have things in their bio outside of the scope of what we're talking about, because we see these people that do amazing things in their line of business mm-hmm. and we forget that they're human beings. And before the end of the show, I'm going to out you on something else that you do as well. Um, because if the world doesn't know, they need to know. Um, but we'll talk about that later. But, <laughs> okay. I'm wondering uh, what it is. I have a lot of extracurricular activities. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but, but so before we got, dive into the sales stuff, tell me about this karate championship. Ah, yeah. So here, the, so I started training when I was 15 and um, I was the, the uh, president of the NYU Shotokan karate team and all that. And when I graduated college, I completely stopped. Um, I was acting at the time and honestly, a lot of both partly money, but also like uh, physique. So you get really strong in karate and it didn't match the roles that I wanted to play. And so 15 years later, after a corporate career and after kids and all of that, I've always been saying I want to go back and get my black belt because I hadn't even gotten a black belt at that time. I was training like seven years. <laughs> and um, I always kept saying like in my head, and eventually I was like, you know, I can't call myself a martial artist anymore. Like it's been 15 years. Like I literally can't say I'm a martial artist anymore. And it, my youngest was three and my niece was at our track tournament. She was at like States for track. And I was just like, I remember being in that shape, like being like at your best physical condition. I'm like, I want that back. Well, you know, when you get that inspiration and then you realize that everything you needed was always there, you just didn't see it. I had for some reason not realized the new house that I moved to in Pennsylvania. I've lived in New York for 15 years, moved back to Pennsylvania. The house I built was a mile away 
from my old teacher's dojo. Wow. And all this time, like three, I think I was there like three or four years by that time. And I never realized he was right down the block, so to speak. So I went back in and got my black belt and um, started competing. And it's like the funny thing about karate and anything, because it applies to sales and anything else, is that sometimes you just have to show up. <laughs> and and like they said, like that's 90% of success. It's so true. Because I never feel like I never I have a hard time calling myself an athlete, but um, but I train two, three times a week and I show up and I show up consistently, and over time that adds up <laughs> and the results end up happening, even though after any given class, I don't feel like I improved at all. But I have to remind my, in fact, I sometimes feel worse after a class because I realize there's so much more to that I don't know, or I right. lost a match or something like that. And you, I feel down on myself. And then I remember like, just by showing up, I got better. I don't know how I might not be able to pinpoint how, but I didn't get worse. <laughs> and so <laughs> right? it's like all these like, lessons are coming sales, out <laughs> entrepreneurship. It's like, you, accumulation over time makes a difference. Even if you're not the best at it, you will get better over time just by keep showing up and keep like trying to get better. It's like the compound effect combined with the, you know, 90% of us showing up and yeah, yeah. All, these, all, all these little, these the sound bites we hear um, yeah. that we never really think about how they flow together. So it, it's cool that uh, the karate is the thing that uh, first illustrated it in our conversation here. Yeah. And the showing up is like, I showed up to that tournament and we competed against the people that showed up, but all the people, but I also we go to tournaments. You remember, like you also beat all the people that didn't show up at all. Right. Cause they didn't want to lose or they didn't want to get hurt or whatever the reason was. And as you get older, it's less and less people right. that show up. <laughs> so, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Phenomenal. Awesome. So just tell tell us how you got to be in this space working with sales teams. In the intro, you shared some detail, uh, but give me the, I don't want to say the down and dirty, but like the, the Coles Notes version, um, because you're in a place in like, you've been in place with the, with the startup space that I've always wanted to be and never got to quite honestly. Okay. Um, and so t- like, tell me the, cause, kind of the, the Cosmos version of your story um, so that our audience has a real good idea of where you're coming from. Because a lot of people step up and say, hey, I can sell, which means I can teach sales, which means I can teach how to run teams. And it doesn't mean that, but you've got the real life experience um, even beyond what I have. And I like share that with them. Oh, sure. So um, I, I can't tell the story without telling my father's story because he went um, from $100,000 in debt and being addicted to cocaine when I was eight years old to starting a career in sales and going from in debt to earning over a million dollars a year as a sales manager. And so it was ingrained in me from eight years old that, you know, I was going to sell. <laughs> so of course, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I was like, nope, not me. I'm not manipulating people. I'm not being one of those slimy, you know, slimy, mm-hmm. aching salespeople. And I went to school for acting and I became a yoga teacher. So at like 23 or four, my, my, uh, my father had started a new start, uh, started 
a new sales team for a startup in New York and said, um, come join me. I want to teach you everything I know so you can take over the business. I was like, no. He's like, how about you come work for me and I'll give you, I'll give you a room in my apartment in New York so you can go um, audition. I was like, that sounds more like it. <laughs> so in the beginning, that's what I was doing. And I learned, and then, you know, of course, learned that I was better at selling than I thought I would ever be or, or as it's perceived to be. It seems right. put out there that it's a very hard job. You get rejected a lot. I mean, compare getting rejected in sales to getting rejected in acting. It's nothing in comparison. <laughs> like in acting, they look at you and go, maybe if you lost 10 pounds, come back and talk to us, right? Like you oh. can't get more like your nose isn't the right, your hair is not the right shape, where your ethnicity is wrong, you know? We don't like how you talk. This is the this is like the the beat get the beating you get in the uh, acting world. So like for someone to be like it's too expensive, that <laughs> didn't bother me at all. Yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't hurt me. So I was able to come to it with that, and um, there is definitely a difference in learning how to sell and learning how to teach people how to sell, and then learning how to teach people to teach people how to sell. Mm. Right. So there's like multiple yeah. levels and you just do one at a time. So first you master selling. Once you've mastered selling the next thing, so you could master selling and not really know why you're doing well. And you'll see that because people move up into a trainer type role or a manager role, like a team lead type of role, and they can't get people to duplicate or replicate the results that they had. So that's the clue that like you did well, but you don't know why you did well. Mm. It's not the script. It's not, you're asking the best questions. It's not, there's so many things it's not. Um, and so you feel like you're beating, beating your head against the wall, trying to get your salespeople to understand, like, just say what I told you to say, just yeah. say the script and you'll make the sale. Like how hard is it? Because that's not the only thing that goes into selling, as you know, Jeremy. There's so much mindset and limiting beliefs and things that we were we were taught and ingrained in us before we were even five years old. Most of our thoughts and beliefs around the world were developed before we were the age of five. Mm. So here we are, adults, walking around with five-year-old belief sets. <laughs> And unless we take the time to challenge those, they they remain that and they keep they keep us in a place that might not be serving us. Some of those beliefs may be serving you. Some of those are holding you back. And it's the ones that are holding you back that you really need to dig in. So teaching teaching sales, yes, it has that component of um identifying the parts in the funnel where the person's, you know, needs some help, where could they have noticed an opportunity that they didn't, this like salesy type stuff, like managing and looking at the metrics and understanding how they tell a story. But then there's another level, which is you can give two people the same script and they could say it, they could both say it exactly the same way to the same person and one will make the sale and one doesn't. So why? Mm, right. So one, right. So it usually comes down to mindset and what that person is portraying across to the other person to say, was it night? How much, what percentage of communication is nonverbal? Mm, yeah. It's a lot. Was it 99, 90, 90%? Well, something like that. Yeah, I have to look up the yeah. stat. 
Yeah. I don't know how you could really tell what the number is, but let's just say it's it's more than the verbal communication. Yeah. Your answer, right? smart scientists somewhere figured it out. So, something. Yeah. Um, and so that nonverbal communication is us sharing our limiting belief with the customer. So sometimes that's like, you think your product's too expensive. You would never buy your product, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or you don't... Um, you don't think that the person should need to ask anybody else to make a decision or any of, usually it's around money. Money's the biggest one, but sometimes it's also the, the, what you're selling, the, the actual product. Like you have issues with, especially if salespeople end up in the middle of customer service, they could have just gotten off a call with someone who it totally failed for them, the product or whatever, a bad experience. And then you bring that right into the next call. And your belief in the product goes down and you have a hard time communicating it, how great it is when you really don't believe that. And then if you don't have a great relationship with your sales leader, you're not going to go tell them like, I have an issue with the product because you're afraid they'll just be like, get over it. Right. <laughs> Come on, toughen up. You can't take it. Come on. Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that has to do with the leadership. But so training, training sales and then teaching and coaching people to identify and then move beyond those limiting beliefs is where leadership comes in and leadership and coaching in, um, you know, training and then training and then teaching other people how to help other people overcome their limiting beliefs mm-hmm. like the and identify them is like the next level. So at each stage, it's not, I didn't learn that all at once. I learned that, you know, first two years was selling. Then the next two years was was training. Then the the next two years after that was training trainers. Mm. Uh, So each of those, and I had a, and then, so my father was my mentor in the first part of that. And he was able to like, he was the one that was able to say like, all right, now you got to learn something new. Like, this isn't Mm -hmm. just about, right. Don't think you know it all because you were able to sell. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of bringing me back to reality. Well, and that's, that's a, a hugely valuable lesson. Um, I mean, we, we often get stuck. We're like, okay, this is comfortable. This is our comfort zone. And, and even in right. sales, like, you know, we're always told to challenge our comfort zone and push beyond our limiting beliefs. But after two years in a role, like you get it. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. And, and, but, and you can be very comfortable there and, and stay probably consistent or, you know, maybe drop a little bit. But I think that lesson from your dad is a, is a huge lesson to just keep growing what's next. Yeah. What's right? next? I mean, the, the big bucks don't come from selling. Right. Right. The big bucks come from being able to teach people what you know and and coach them and move them beyond this concept of like those who can do, those who can't teach is like, you know, that's limited thinking because <laughs> because you're when you've mastered something, you become then more valuable when you can teach others how to master it. Right. That's makes sense logically. So your value becomes higher. So then you spend, you need to spend more time in the, in the, you need to spend more time in the zone that you're most valuable. Mm. A person who can coach people to sell better is more valuable than someone who could sell. It was interesting. My, my first sales gig ever uh, was at a call center and I learned that if you were number one on the sales floor or number two in the sales floor, you never got off the phones. But if you were number three, you could coach. (laughs) You what? if you were number three, you could coach other people. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, which Interesting. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of slightly flawed thinking, but 
they gave me the target of being number three. <laughs> so that's how my career started. Uh, but, but I thought you were going to say you could take a lunch break if you were number oh, yeah. three. And number one and two were so busy, they were like, I don't want to be one and two. Yeah. I just be three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when it comes to leading teams, um, one of the biggest challenges that I see people have is getting people into motion, motivating the team to take action. And obviously yeah. – there, there's depending on the campaign what you're selling there's other variables that come into play but what do you find first of all the biggest challenges when you're running a team like what's the most common issue that creates that resistance and then how what do you do to to overcome that that was a loaded question there jeremy <laughs> um so first i want to ask you back if i if i may sure how how do you currently help people because I know you manage teams too. So what's your what's your methodology? And then I'll, I'll share mine and see how they sure. so see how. My methodology is actually connecting with each individual member of the team because I feel like they need to feel like you understand where they're coming from and then you align their goals with the success of the company or the campaign or, or whatever it is. Because they, I find people don't want to do something just because. They need mm-hmm. to see where that end game is for them, whether it's making more money, whether it's leadership opportunities, whatever, right. Or it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to get it at that or whatever. So I want to know who they are and I want to know their intricacies as far as the, like what makes them tick so that when they struggle, whether there's a mindset issue or whatever, um, I can have a pretty direct conversation about it. Cause I've already built that relationship up, up front for me. Teams mm-hmm. aren't just people. Teams are personalities. Teams are the families behind them. They're the hobbies. Um, then I need to connect with every single person to figure out how they tick. If I'm actually going to get them to say, Hey, I need a favor this week. Will you do this extra thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, so I agree with that in, um, in connecting with them and what their personal goals are. And then I would add to that, that um, often when I see sales leaders, um, they say they do that. I'm not calling you out because I don't know enough. Okay. But they say they do that, but they don't dig deep enough. Mm. Or the person is um, giving you the answer that they think you want to hear right. as opposed to the real answer. So like the first step of that, and this goes into your question of, of um, the most challenging part. So the first step of that is they have to have your trust. They have to have your trust that you're there to help them. Um, If you don't have that, there's really nothing you can do as far as like training and pushing them and moving them beyond their like on their limiting beliefs or whatever boundaries they've have set. You can do that by invoking fear. You'll lose your job and all of that, which is what most managers have to resort to because they don't have the trust factor. (laughs) How many salespeople complain about their managers, right? So so that's the number of, that's the percent of sales managers that don't have the trust of the salespeople. And, And maybe it's not because they're bad people. Maybe they were never given a good example, but it could also be that they're really in it for themselves and the salespeople see that. Right, they see that they're in it to get make their own targets, and the salespeople are just a vehicle to do that. But a sale, a, a leader who sees themselves that they're serving, they work for the salespeople and not the other way around. Mm. I work for you. My job is to help you get where you want to go, 
And don't give me this bullshit about you want to, you know, you want to move up the ranks and advance in the company and, and, you know, do the best thing for the company. That's bullshit. (laughs) It's not a thing. (laughs) That's the answer you think I want to hear. Okay. Now we got that out of the way. Your company man, your company guy or whatever. (laughs) Um, Now that we got that out of the way, what do you really want? And where we talk about income goals, but we talk more about life. Like I want to know what their lifestyle goals are. And then once I get their lifestyle goal, then I push them. Then I was like, is it okay if I ask you some more questions about that? It's like, I want a boat or something, right? It's like, okay, let me ask you more about this boat. What would it feel like to have this boat? What, how would that change your life? How would that make things different? Okay. And for most people, they start out with like, I just want to be out of debt, pay my bills, live comfortably, go on a couple vacations, like have a little boat or have a big boat or whatever it is. Like, and the first, their first response is usually about me, 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 what I'm going to do for me or my, my immediate family, right? Send my kids to college, buy my, buy a nice ring for my fiance, whatever. Great. Now, let's imagine all of those things are done. It's three years from now. All of those things are done. You have money flowing, and it satisfied all of those goals that you had. Then what? Then what? Keep pushing them to forward to then what? Because what happens is throughout life, like how many five-year-old boys, when you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, how many of them say astronaut? NBA basketball player, right? NFL football player, right? Like, <laughs> so I want to be a ballerina. I want to be, you know. Um, so we have wide open possibilities when we're younger that slowly over time get taken away, get squashed by other people, but mostly by yourself. You fail at certain things, then you start to think you're inherently a failure and you see other people succeeding and you think there must be, they must have done something right that I, you know, they must be deserving and I'm not. And so those mindsets that kept you safe as a five-year-old then don't serve you as you're trying to move up. So, so how, you know, how many 18-year-olds say I want to be an astronaut when I grow up? Like not many. very, very few, right? Only the ones that end up becoming astronauts. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... So I want to get them to go back to now it might not be like you're going to they still want maybe they don't want to be an astronaut anymore, but I want them to get to that place where anything's possible. And then we start putting a number to that. So and I want I want them to think about the things beyond their own needs. Okay, because that's like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. It's like you have your first level of needs and then you start thinking about other people like I want to get them out of this place of scarcity and I don't have enough for myself to now, then what, what, what happens when my needs, my own needs are met? How can I help other people? When I start thinking about that and their bigger mission of what they want to accomplish in the world. Then I can, we can start attaching numbers to that. So, how, okay. So this is where we want to go. How are we going to measure it? How are we going to measure how close we're to get there? How are we going to break it down? all the way to what you have to do on a daily basis to get where you want to be in five years. And believe me, I don't expect you to be with our company then. Like, right. like 
let's put that out. Like we're not expecting you to be here 10 years. Like we know, like just makes sense. Like you're going to, we want you to get to the place where either you move up or you move on. Either is okay. I want them to feel comfortable with enough with me to say like, I want to start my own business or I want to, you know, move to Asia or something. Um, and not have that hurt them in their like p- the political, you know, right. yeah. politics of, and then we break it down. So, okay, so what do you have to do on a daily basis to get there? And then I ask them their permission to call them out on when they're not doing the things that they know they need to do to get to their goal. So I ask them right there and that's way in the beginning, like the day after I hire them. <laughs> this is the first conversation we have. It's like coffee meeting. And I say, okay, I am committed to getting you to this goal. I will not let you fail. But I need to know and I need to get your permission right now that if I see you, if like we agreed, okay, you need to make 100 calls a day, whatever it is. 100 calls a day compared to the dream they want to achieve is nothing, right? Mm -hmm. But 100 calls a day in and of itself is like, oh, who wants to make 100 calls a day? If I see that you're not doing the things that you know you need to do, or if I see some place that you can improve to get better results, to get to your big goal, to get to, let's say, the, you know, sending a mission to Africa, whatever that person said, is it okay if I call you out on it? And they never say no, right? They always say, yes, please do, because they want that end thing. And so that's in sales, it's called a pre-close. You're getting permission to do something later, right? You never make a sale without asking your permission to sell. So permission to sell is like, you, you can't ask for the sale unless you ask, you, you always need to ask permission to ask for the sale at the end. So I'm asking way in the beginning, is it okay if I, you know, I, if you want to go far, I'm going to collect your credit card information. I'm going to enroll you. You're going to get started. This is before they even know what the program is. Getting your permission to close you later. Same thing with the salespeople. I'm getting their permission to train them later and to coach them later. So when it does happen, I'll be like, Nicole, do you remember that time when you said I was it was okay if I called you out on things that might help you get to your goal of sending a mission to Africa? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, can I offer something that might help you in your sales call? And that's how I approach every training opportunity. Nice. Um, and it's received infinitely better than just here's what you did wrong. <laughs> like here's what you did wrong. And here's what, here's what I want to see you do next time. I think that's the value of working with commission only teams and growing up in that world. Cause nobody had to show up the next day. Right. I was always in competition with them leaving, going to find somebody else. You know, I, I didn't have that salary tying them to me or something that I could take away from them. The only thing I did have was their dreams and their goals and my commitment to help them get there. Mm. Wow. So that's what ended up in a hundred million dollars in sales. So that's like, that's really the background that like there's, you get to this point. And then if you want to go here, if you just want to like catapult into that next level, you have to get behind the spirituality of it. What am I doing to make this person's life better? If all the salespeople reach their individual lifestyle, personal, you know, missions and goals, I promise you it's going to be 10 times whatever the company's goal is. Right. Like the company's goal is usually too small for what these people want to achieve. 
Mm. So you're subconsciously actually pushing them down <laughs> by giving them a quota. Yeah. Like let them develop their own quotas based on their lifestyle goals. And you'll find that it's actually double or more of what management told you they, they want at the end of the year or quarter or whatever. It's like, it's golden. I mean, it's really wow. like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, and if it's too low, then I really know, then I need to push that person to dream bigger. Right. You know, they're dreaming too small. We're, we're not in sales is way too hard to have small, small dreams, small goals. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I love you that. Do an admin job. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I, I love that you, you go a step further. Like I'm, I, I, I always make sure I've got the connection. I've got the buy-in I'm, you know, I'm aligning with their goals, but that one extra step that you take that first of all, going deeper in and then bringing from that end goal, bringing it back and quantifying it into monthly, weekly, even daily activities, right? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will do those two things separately. A lot of people don't do the connection part at all, actually. But, right, but right. We, we understand the building back from goals. But when you combine the two, it's I can just, I feel the power of it. And I haven't done it to that level. And I think that's huge. Like I'm having this like chill aha moment here. I'm like, oh, so Yay. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of our audience um, is building sales teams. Some of our audiences are their sales reps. And some of our audience are entrepreneurs that might be solo. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for someone um, that is kind of on their own? They're doing sales on their own, whether it's for another company or running their own business, where they can apply that because it's it's really hard when you don't have that extra person going, Mm, well, we had made a commitment that, you know, we were going to try to work for this goal. You were going to try to work for this goal. You don't have that person to call you out when you're off track. Do you have any Mm -hmm. suggestions on how it can work in that context? So I'm trying to, I will say this without trying to sell my coaching programs, but this is why I became a coach because my focus is on solopreneurs and entrepreneurs because I knew the value of the coach I had. There's no freaking way. There's no way I would have even survived the first month. Like as soon as I didn't make a sale, I would have been like, this isn't working. Bye. <laughs> right. um, the value of a coach is that they can see things that you can't see. That's the whole reason. Like people at any level, the, the highest performing people all have coaches because they know this. They know a coach got me from this place to this place. I need a coach to get me from this place to this place. And so the value of a coach and a mentor is, you know, is that they you can only coach yourself on what you know and what you can see. So if there's someone that is besides hiring a coach, if there's someone that you can um, that you can learn from, or it's difficult to do peer to peer. The problem with like peer to peer reviews or role plays is the other person doesn't know what the heck to look for. Right. right? Blind leading the blind. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, sounds good to me. Go get them, you know? And it's more like a cheerleading conversation, which is helpful in itself, but it doesn't give the clarity of someone that's like been on the other side and can right. coach. So what can you do to be your own coach would be um, to step outside of your own mind and start observing what's happening in your own thought process. It's a challenge, mm. but it's, it's the, it's what you're going to need to do 
anyway. Like a coach will tell you to do that and is know what you're doing while you're doing it and why you're doing it. Mm. Know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and while you're doing it. Now, in the beginning, it'll be retro retrospective. You might record your calls and listen back to it, and you'll be able to say what I did, why I did it, but after the fact. And then eventually, you can be in a call being like, being aware of what you're doing, why you're doing it, while you're doing it. So mm-hmm. in the moment, understanding like, hmm, limiting belief coming up there. Why do I have an issue with when I say the price? Every time I say the price, I cough. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like <clears throat> well, how much? Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, something's in my throat. Yeah. Like over every single time you say the price, something's in your throat. So things come across like, can can you observe? It might not be thoughts, but they will be expressed. So mm. that's where I feel like my theater training comes in so handy and why it helped me be successful so quickly was that awareness of what my body is doing at any given moment and not taking that for granted, mm. that that means something. As if I just try to not do that thing, it, it doesn't solve the problem. It will express itself in another way. So yeah. if I try to not cough, <laughs> I'm going to start blinking really weird or something. You know? <laughs> um, we're going to start playing with my hair when it's time to talk about the prize. Um, so, so I want to instead take a step back and like, why, why is this part? a problem for me. And when I review calls, that's a big tool that I use is, is seeing what, what are the nonverbal, what are the nonverbal physical communications that are show, indicating to me that this person's got something going on. Cause I can't mm-hmm. see inside your set, your head, right. but those, those will get communicated to the customer one way or other. So to be your own coach, you've got to like open up your own brain and look inside and be like, what's going on in there? So really, and have the courage to recognize that that you've got you. I promise you have limiting beliefs. Like everyone's got oh, them yeah. somewhere somehow. So that being said, like where are yours, and where and when you overcome them, it'll just improve your sales process. Awesome, but the most efficient way is just to get yourself a coach, dude. Do it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So we are creeping over time because we're having too much fun. But I need to get the lightning round in because it's the most exciting part. Oh yeah. <laughs> so lightning round, as you, as we know, coffee's for closers and we had this conversation before we started, but what's your favorite kind of coffee or comparable drink? Okay. So, you know, I gave up coffee a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago where I talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, but even then, like I just drink black coffee. I don't know how I'm not like a connoisseur, but like my Starbucks drink is a, is a soy chai latte. Okay. If we go to coffee, you'd want to get me a medium soy chai. Okay, I'll keep that in mind for when I'm Yeah, so it, might, it took my husband like two years to learn that. Okay. To, like, he was like, what do you want? Medium soy chai. Oh, soy chai. Wait, text it to me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So if you yeah. want to impress Jess, show up with her favorite drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make me happy. I limit yeah. my consumption. There you go. But, yeah. Um, what's the number one book or movie that you recommend to sales reps or sales leaders? Funny that you ask. Oh, it's my dad's book. Oh, nice. It's the spirituality of success, getting rich with integrity. Oh, very cool. 
And it's his story of, it's not a sales book. It's a success principles book. So he, he was going to write a trilogy of the spirituality of success, the spirituality of sales, the spirituality of sales leadership. Well, he never got around to the second one. So he, he said, the first thing I need people to know is the success mindset. Because there's nothing I can tell them about sales techniques or questions or process or anything that's going to help them if they don't have the right mindset, if they don't have the success mindset. So like, are you deserving to have success or do you deserve to make a million a year, or 10 million a year? Like, Do you even feel like you deserve that? Because let's start there. Nothing I can tell you about how to do it. It's going to matter. You're going right. to subconsciously hold yourself back. The voice in the back. And so I'm in the process of writing the second part, which is spirituality of sales. I was going to ask that. Good. Kind of, yeah, going into more like sales specific mindset and processes um, to help like apply the process to and the right mindset at the same time. In a way that's authentic and with integrity. It's not when you do it in this way, you never have to be pushy. And clients start coming to you like magnets because. They know you're different. I mean, 98% sales has a bad rep because most people are amateurs, quite frankly. You know, they're in it to make money, mm-hmm. um, which is why when I talk to them, I try to get them out of that money thing and into the more into like the big why was my contribution to the world <laughs> um, right away. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, can I can I find that book on like Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay, cool. Um, who is someone you consider to be a mentor in your life? My dad, <laughs> my dad and, and like all the people I consider coaches. So my, my karate instructor, Rob DeAngelis, I don't know if he's probably not listening, but I could care less about sales, <laughs> but um, like seeing people who, people who are at a, like a certain level of expertise are like really interesting to me because they, they vibe on a different level, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the same way he is in karate is like how I am in sales and how I want to be in karate. Like he could just mm-hmm. like he's literally vibrating in the way he perceives time is different. When you're in the ring, you don't have time to blink. You're on the floor right. because in his mind, in his mind, he doesn't see it, but he's slowing down time. I mean, people that are operating at a higher level of, success and like seem to get more things done and all that. It's like they, they learn how to manipulate time by focusing on it. So I like, like to see that the correlations in different areas. I think when you, you know, you're successful in one thing, it it bleeds over into the other things that you do. Like, you know how to be successful. So so I encourage people to have lots of extracurricular activities. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Awesome. My favorite question. What's the strangest thing you do in your daily routine to keep yourself on your game? On my game. (laughs) I know you were going to ask this and I couldn't think of it. So maybe this is strange. Maybe a lot of people don't know this. I am on my whiteboard. I had to recently erase it because my son came in and called me out on it. Am I allowed to curse on your show? Go ahead. I already did. I wrote for myself on big letters on my whiteboard. You are fucking amazing. (laughs) Nice. And so when I'm struggling with something, I'm like, sometimes when I give help people with sales processes, I second guess myself because of their resistance. Like sometimes my first reaction is like, am I 
maybe I'm wrong. They're so resistant. Maybe I should change my philosophy. And then I look at that and I go, no, I know what I'm doing. Like, I'm amazing. You know, it's just that I need that constant feedback from myself (laughs) 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 to, to like have that voice. That's um, my own cheerleader. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) Um, I promised I'd call you out on something and we were tight on time, but you've got a really creative side that I want you to tell your audience about or this audience about. Um, Okay. mm -hmm. Are you talking about the music? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I write swing hip hop music under Jessica Page and the Upstairs Band. Um, And you can check that out at jessica.page.music on Instagram or Jessica Page. Actually, sorry, I scratched that. jessicapagemusic.com. Uh, on my website, you can get my latest single for free along with lyrics and chords and a track sheet, tracking, backing track and all that. So I just released my first single and, um, it's really exciting. <laughs> so it's, that, and the, the right single's right? just me and keys. Is that right? Oh, yes, yes, okay, yes, cool. yes, yes. I didn't have that prepped, but yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cool. Now. I just did that because I told you I was going to. Um, I told the audience I was going to. Now, you've got something uh, very applicable to sales that you want to give away to our audience. Tell us yeah. about that really quickly. So I think the first step in learning in starting to train a team or hiring a team is starting to document your processes so that you can actually train them. So I have a template that helps you do that where you can just fill in the blanks. It's like a 35-page fill-in-the-blank training manual. And you can get that at template.jpmpartners.com. Yep, there it is. Awesome. And that's the best way that you can get introduced to me because right after that, you'll be invited to a training that I did at the Wharton School on the science behind why people really buy. And it's the best sales advice I ever received. You'll get an idea of like who I am, my philosophy more specifically. Not, none of it I talked about so far today. So all new stuff. And, um, and if it's something that you dive with, then we can talk about working further together to help you advance, up-level your sales. And, and I will say to the audience, um, I found this template somewhere. I don't remember how actually how I found it. And then I signed up for it. And I think I replied and said, hey, I think we're in the same space. And Jess directly replied to me. And I'm like, oh, is this her VA? Is this the team? You know what happened? <laughs> no, I'll, re- I'll remember actually okay. because – I usually, if it's like um, a dom- a company domain that they sign up with, I'll respond. I'll I'll have I'll like look them up and be like, well, at least that's what I was doing at that time. And <laughs> we were just starting, and I was just like, hey, I noticed you're into this that, and you were like, no way, you actually like yeah. took the time to look me up and all that. And I was like, yeah, like that's what I learned worked in in sales is like getting to know people and not trying to. Yeah, you can automate, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get to know your customers, then, right. right? And then it leads to opportunities and relationships that you wouldn't have had before. One hundred percent, we wouldn't be here right, right? now. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, exactly. awesome. Well, just thank I'm you. I'm so thank glad you to hear you're doing well. Yes, no, I'm, I'm glad that you had the time to to jump on. I appreciate it, guys. So learn more about Jess and get that template at template.jpmpartners.com. And thank you for joining us, Jess. And thank you for you, the listeners and viewers, for watching this episode of Sales Team Rescue. Catch this replay and previous episodes and a link for upcoming episodes at salesteamrescue.com. We will see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Remember, guys, get uncomfortable, get results. Cheers.
Cheers. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.